What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Birdie here with another episode. We are going to talk about how Green Power, which is being dubbed the Uber for lawn care, how they grew to 200,000 active users that complete thousands of transactions per day. We're going to talk about how that success story came to be. We are joined by the CEO and co-founder of Green Pal, which we've heard the dub, the Uber for lawn care. That's what it's getting called. And it pretty much does just that. It's an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. Our guest who joins us is none other than Brian Clayton. Brian, welcome to the show. Mark, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Brian, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And like the sharing, the gig economy, it's just amazing how many different ways we can expand on it. And the fact that you've already received some really warm reception for Green Pal, and I'm sure it's going to keep on growing because I definitely see the need for having a quick call to get some lawn care maintenance. I'm wondering if we could just start with some of the things you did during the early stages of growth where maybe you didn't have that much access to capital or uh, relationships in place. Like what were you doing in the early stages of green pal to build up initial momentum? Yes. Yeah, great question. Uh, so green pal is a nine year overnight success. Uh, my two co-founders have been at this for almost a decade. Uh, we have self-funded the business off of its own revenues the whole way through, doing over $20 million a year in revenue, uh, several hundred thousand people using the app. But it didn't start out that way. It started off very slow, very humbly. Uh, my two co-founders and I got started on the business in, in 2013. Uh, none of us knew how to code. None of us knew how to build software. Uh, but we had this idea for the Uber for lawn mowing. And uh, we thought, okay, well, all we need to do is just pay a development shop to build it and we'll just market it. We'll be off and going. We did that. We wasted $150,000 doing that. We launched this thing that this shop built and it was a total failure. Uh, but we learned a lot uh, by launching that first version. And we learned that if we were going to be in the technology business. We were going to have to learn how to build technology. Uh, we learned, uh, we validated and, and a lot of assumptions that we had and validated a lot of things that weren't true. And we were able to get a few hundred people to use that first version of the app. And how we did that is we just passed out door hangers all over Nashville, Tennessee, hustled up a couple hundred people to, to use this first version of the app. And we were able to get feedback from them. We were able to understand, okay, we're solving a problem that people will pay for. Uh, we're, we're coming up short on the experience, but we're at least on the right track. We never heard somebody say, I don't need this. We always heard them say, you know, I hired somebody to mow the grass on your app and they didn't show up or the prices were too high or they did a crappy job or something like that. But we never heard, I didn't need this. And so that was enough validation for us to keep going, keep moving forward. My co-founder went to software school, uh, like a boot camp in Nashville to learn back-end uh, programming. I learned how to become a really terrible front-end engineer and just enough to, to hack together the next version and just keep iterating as we went. And little by little, we, we, we grew the thing 20%, 50%, 100% year over year. And so ultimately, 10 years later, here we have something. And it's really interesting how 
Brian's using some old school ways to get the initial group of users. Like you hear about these online platforms, uh, whether it be GreenPal or something else, like 200,000 users. Well, it's a matter of time before you hit a million. And um, Brian definitely knows all the numbers. So I'm assuming that they have some type of goal of when to hit all these different milestones. But you hear big numbers and you just think, oh, well, they're naturally going to hit these bigger numbers, but starting with zero users, yeah, do you have to go door to door? I mean, to think we're in such a tech world that the in-person ways still work very well. Yeah. It's like uh, 20 years of entrepreneurship has taught me one thing. It's like everything that's huge starts off really, really small. And uh, in entrepreneurship, you have to have that big goal, that, that $100 million goal, that million users goal, but you also have to think and act very, very small. And so for us, it's like, like looking back, it's almost like a video game, like just working through one level at a time. And for us, you know, the first level was we just need 100 people to use this thing and we need to learn as much as we can from them. And then after we do that, let's worry about level two, which might be how do we get it to a thousand? And then level three might be 10,000 people and so on. Uh, just working through one level at a time, learning what you can from the people who are using your product and baking that feedback into the next version, uh, particularly in the software business, is, is, is how it's done. And, you know, the only difference is, is if you're going to bootstrap it like we did, you know, you have to go a little slower. You're going to have to make uh, smarter bets. But, uh, but you know, it, whether you're bootstrapped or venture funded, that's kind of like how you build one of these things from scratch. And there's something that, like, I learned uh, building this company is like, there's a big difference between starting a traditional business like a, a restaurant or a construction company or, or something like that versus inventing a brand new product that does not yet exist. And that's what we were doing. We were having to figure it out as we, as we went because we were inventing something brand new that, that hadn't existed before. And so the only way to do that is just through user feedback. And I love the sharing the gig economy. And I mean, I definitely think Green Pal is a really great concept. One of the things that I've seen with different gig economy companies like an Uber or an Airbnb or a Fiverr or an Upwork is that a lot of these companies, they have really good revenue growth, but not all of them are necessarily profitable. So how do you balance the hyper growth with the bottom line with making sure all of those numbers add up the way you would like to see them? It's a great question. And it's oftentimes like you, you view, you look at these companies that have just like these jaw dropping losses and they seem to, to defy gravity uh, in terms of how they raise money and put it to work. Uh, for us, we've, we've taken the, the slow and low approach, the sustainable approach, funding the business off of its own revenues. It, it, uh, it's almost like an American football. It's the running game. It's, you know, we're not taking any long passes downfield. We're slowly inching our way uh, down the field to the goal line. And for us, it's a, it's a, it was the better bet. It was the better way to build this type of business. But you look at an Uber, a Lyft, a DoorDash, and, you know, billions of, of dollars of capital have gone into those businesses. And, and, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to pick which path you want to go down. Like if you want to go down that path of raising venture capital and taking on that rocket fuel, you better know how to put it to work. And a lot of times you look at these founding teams that started these huge businesses, you know, they were on their second or third or fourth swing at the plate. 
they might have like had one that crashed and burned. They might have sold one for, you know, sub $10 million or something like that. My point is they had the experience. They had the wisdom. So they, they knew how to take that kind of huge amounts of capital and put it to work. Whereas we, we didn't, you know, this was our, our first go at a tech startup. And so we took the slow and sustainable approach and we've been profitable for the last five years. And, and it's a good place to be, you know, during like the COVID, uh, you know, crisis, you know, with the economic crisis, we, we slept well at night because we knew we were profitable. We knew that, you know, we didn't have a, a outside stakeholders to, to answer to. And for me, that's a better bet for most entrepreneurs is, is to, is to self-fund the business. It kind of keeps you in check and it keeps you on the right track. I definitely agree on the self-funding piece, especially when you are just testing the concept. Like it's one thing to like any type of like going into debt for a business is extremely risky, but it's especially risky if you don't know how it's going to pan out. So if Brian had to go into debt for the initial stages of green pal, like do people even want this service? Do people even believe in the concept? Like, Right now, it's like, well, yeah, like people want this. It sounds pretty obvious. But when yeah. you're first getting started and you just have an idea on a piece of paper, all the stuff that's obvious today isn't obvious back then. So you don't want to go into debt for a business idea. And it's better to just self-fund, look for ways to cut on expenses, look for ways to boost income if you're still working at a job and doing it as a side hustle. Like just focus on the self-funding piece. Now, I agree. And I'll add one quick thing is like, you know, you you don't know, you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if it's a good idea. And like every good idea gets told that it's a stupid idea in its infancy. You know, we, everybody looked at us and like, you know, like, no, that's a stupid idea. Nobody's going to use that. I'm sure people did the same thing to DoorDash and same thing to Uber in the early days. So every good idea gets told that it's a stupid idea. But here's the problem. So do the stupid ideas. Like, so all the ideas get told they're stupid. So you can't really like look at that as an indicator. You have to de-risk it. And the only way to de-risk it is with that like experiential feedback. You have to get something in the hands of people and you have to like close the gap between your ideas and their actual use to use that feedback to understand, am I on the right track or not? And I really love how Brian mentioned that like every good idea starts off with a lot of skepticism. Now, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, people don't like my idea. It means it's an amazing one. Like that's not what we're getting at either. That's where the feedback comes into play where Brian, what he did was he reached out to a small group of people, a small user base tested in a very small way. And when you see the test works, you're able to expand. Now, I'm sure you're thinking about one day having a million users on your app. Like I feel like when people get into the hundreds of thousands and you are growing at a pretty strong pace, you eventually think that way. So I'm wondering what are some of the initiatives you're doing to get from 200 K to a million users? What are some of the things happening behind the scenes that you're putting into work? Yeah. So you know, we, we're doing 20 something million dollars a year in revenue. We got to get to a hundred million in revenue. We got 200 something thousand people using that app. We got to get over a million. How do we get there? And like to go back to like the, the video game metaphor, you know, maybe we're on level seven and we beat the final boss on level seven. Now we got to focus on level eight. And a lot of times, you know, the things that got, you know, the things that got you there won't get you, won't get you there. And, uh, and so for, for me, you know, like, 
at this stage of the game, it, it might have been all about like hustle and process and 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 just grind and 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 just like rinse and repeat the same things day in day out to like inch our way to success. But at this stage in the game, it's about people. It's about how do we get the smartest, best people on the team who have kind of been around the block, who have maybe already gone through this sort of thing, a multi-sided marketplace uh, on a national scale with hundreds of thousands of people using it. Uh, let's, let's get that talent on the team and let's, help, let's, let's let that drive the strategy and help execute. And one thing I've learned is, is uh, when, you're work, when you're looking for this top-tier talent, well, maybe you can't afford somebody that's going to make you know, two or $300,000 a year and with a big equity package. Maybe you can't afford that, but maybe you can't afford that same quality level person for five hours a week or five hours a month. Sure, they might make two or $300 an hour, but hire them on a, on a, on a cart basis until you can afford them rather than hiring somebody who's, who's new and entry level and maybe just out of school who doesn't know. And, uh, and, and it's just a waste of everybody's time. You don't have the machine yet to plug that type of person into. You need to go to straight to the top, hire them for however many hours a month you can afford. And I love the video game metaphor because the stuff you, like to get from level seven to level eight requires a certain skill set. And some people, they go a little too far out where it's like, uh, you're trying to use, go from level seven to level eight using the skills that you're supposed to use to get from like 12 to 13 or something. So you just right. got to focus on what's in front of you right now. Yeah. And it, know what are your action steps you need to take to reach that next level? And even worse, they worry about level 13 when they're on level seven. Don't worry about level 13 stuff. Just worry about level seven to eight. You don't even have to worry about that. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's, you don't even need to even think about it right now. Just get to the next level. One level at a time. That is how all businesses grow and become successful. Green Pal has really demonstrated that. And if you need some lawn maintenance, definitely check out their app. Or if you want to make some money helping other people with their lawns, definitely check it out. We will have a link in the show notes. But Brian, are there any other places uh, you want us to go uh, on the web to just follow your work and journey? Yeah, yeah. Anybody can hit up greenpal.com. Uh, that's, that's, that's our official website. You can also hit me up on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time. Brian M. Clayton. We'll have those links in the show notes. Make sure you check them out. Brian, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Mark, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it.